Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs podcast. I am your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? We are making our long-awaited returns uh, after some internal affairs. Uh, you know, we had to, uh, you know, kind of go over. But luckily, um, you know, we, after nine days of what it felt like, you know, one of the longer droughts of just, you know, bare, dry, uh, sand everywhere, uh, the sort of scene that Anakin Skywalker uh, would definitely just break down in tears over. Um, it's sort of been the scene on NBA Twitter in terms of the news uh, lately because there, there's essentially been nothing happening. Um, you know, Jaron and I kind of took a impromptu break here, um, sort of awaiting, you know, if any news is going to come out for us to, you know, have to do a podcast fairly imminently here and Nothing really has happened. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up Summer League today. We obviously covered all four of the Mavs' first Summer League games, but we never got around to covering their last, uh, I guess I won't call it an exhibition game, um, but rather a uh, definitely uh, not a game in which both parties uh, had to extend all of their available resources to win the game against the Hawks on July 16th, which was like a little over a week ago. Sounds kind of counterintuitive to talk about it a little bit, but a lot of our thoughts today are going to be overarching talking about the summer league squad as a whole. Um, you know, that'll definitely, you know, be the bulk of the episode, uh, just kind of getting into the dynamic of how everybody fared. Uh, I, I do think that in that Hawks game, we saw, um, a little bit more, uh, promise specifically from Derek lively. And, you know, it was interesting to see how he got better and better throughout you know, summer league. So there are definitely some things to talk about and, you know, we'll get into a little bit about the the game specifically, but we obviously haven't talked to you guys in a while. Haven't been on the podcast together in, you know, almost two weeks. How are how have you been doing Jaron amidst this uh, drywall of NBA news ever since a uh, free agency kind of just came to a halt there? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been fun, I guess, wrapping up summer league and, you know, getting to watch all those guys uh, what seemed like having a good time, but, uh, I mean, look, outside of that, I think it's been pretty dry here from, uh, you know, whether it be just general NBA news or, uh, you know, whether it be Mavericks media in total. So, I mean, there's really been nothing, uh, I guess, to really be too excited about. But I, I'm I'm excited to get back on the podcast because, yes, it has been uh, around two weeks, if not two weeks, uh, since me and you have both been on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, again, you know, this is not going to be the most important part in the world, but uh, it'll be nice touching up about, you know, every little detail that's probably happened in the last few days or so, but uh, looking forward to get back into the the sort of grind, I guess. Uh, and we'll have some um, traditional mainstream Mavs uh, off season, <laughs> off season content for y'all uh, where we will come up with some sort of uh, <laughs> something to come up and fill your time yeah. uh, with about 45 minutes. So we'll see what we can do, yeah. but I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah, we're we're gonna try to get regimented here as there's no um you know ebb and flow of news. It, it was definitely a drastic train change of trajectory after 
you know, the draft and free agency and summer league is just like back to back to back. And, you know, we just have to absorb everything and talk about it in context. And then, you know, now me and Jaron, of course, are going to reroute to actually creating content and, you know, doing some deep dives, maybe looking at some old stuff. I mean, we got a lot of stuff planned. You can listen to some of our podcasts from a little over a year ago in terms of what we did in the dog days of the off season. I, I wouldn't recommend listening to any of those podcasts. <laughs> uh, they weren't really that good. Um, but if you guys want to go, you know, watch back, like we, we did, um, you know, some, I'm trying to think of exactly what the way to describe this. We did like a throwback pod um, where we, you know, said, Oh, what if this happened different? Um, sort of uh, stole that idea from locked on Mavs um, with the whole, you know, when we did that with like Rodrigo Bois, you know, if he ended up panning out for the Mavericks, we, we had a podcast over that a little over a summer, summer ago. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely do some more stuff like that. We're going to try to be a little bit more creative with the games and stuff that we make. And, you know, as Jaron said, we are going to still cover the, tidbits of news and rumors that come out on a daily basis like today for instance you know there was a report by i think believe a minnesota uh, based reporter you know said that the mavericks are tentatively you know interested in um, jalen noel there was some stuff about uh, killian hayes that came from mark stein that apparently detroit was trying to contact the mavs and trade talks over that so there's there's all these different little uh sprinkles and tidbits of news but you know, nothing really, really tangible that we can grasp and run with. I, I think that Mavs fans were trying to kind of do that with PJ Washington, but there just wasn't really enough smoke there. So Damian Lillard is clearly, you know, kind of holding up uh, the um, circulation of NBA news here uh, pretty, pretty defiantly. Uh, him and his camp are, are kind of dictating how the rest of the offseason is going as a lot of these restricted free agents are kind of holding out to see, you know, if other teams end up clearing cap space after all these trades go down. So, you know, we're in the dry period, but, you know, it will get excited, you know, it will get exciting as we ramp up the training camp and media day, especially, you know, as some of these trades start to come, uh, come under fire and, you know, we'll see what the Mavs end up finishing with, but, you know, we will, we will still acknowledge all the rumors regardless of how small they are, unless they are just, you know, blatant fake news, like, you know, the, all the vast array of dropping dimes accounts or dropping dimes accounts on Twitter that are fake. Uh, of course, shout out to the original dropping dimes, 20, the OG plug, but there, there have been a lot of uh, imposter since. So we will, uh, you know, we won't just cover every single thing that you see on the internet, but definitely the ones that have any sort of validity to them. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about that of course. And, you know, definitely summer league mainly in this podcast, but definitely excited to touch up on news. It's been Way too long, but before we get into the podcast here, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So before we cover the summer league from kind of a holistic standpoint, you know, really talking about what stood out, who got better, you know, who did impress, who didn't impress, you know, it's been a little over a week now, so it's counterintuitive to kind of gloss over the entire game, but you know, if, if we want to, you know, dissect into this Mavericks versus Hawks affair that ended up being pretty one-sided uh, where the Mavericks ended up pulling away 101 to 80 uh, at the Cox Pavilion. I was in attendance. Uh, it was my second Mavericks summer league game I got to attend out of only two. Uh, so it, it was a good time for sure. It was one of the last games at summer league. Um, so the stands weren't packed or anything like that. But 
Uh, we we did get some interesting performances from uh, from Mavericks in this game. Jaron, um, you know, without going in too in depth, uh, what stood out to you from this game? Maybe contrary to some of the other games. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing, uh, honestly, like this kind of just trickled on uh, as the Mavericks started winning games and, you know, especially into the last game. But honestly, like just kind of the the sort of team as a whole, I think that that team sort of stuck together. They they grew kind of a bond. And look, I mean, we got to cover a little bit of last year's summer league, uh, of course, watching on TV and, you know, through, you know, I guess five games. They didn't win a single game, of course. Uh, so we didn't really get to see that team connect like we saw this year's team do. So, you know, we saw this team. Uh, obviously connect and obviously win a lot more games than they did last year. Uh, and not just that, but we got to see some cool moments, whether it be uh, Jelly Walker, um, whether it be Omax Prosper or Derek Leibelig. We got to see some good headlines come out of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, that's probably the biggest thing that sticks out to me is just how much fun or how much, yeah, I guess how much fun these guys had, or at least looked like that they were having. Um, and look, I mean, it did open up some opportunities. Jelly Walker, um, you know, right now, I believe he's still in an exhibit 10. Uh, and then Tajay Moore, of course, he got an exhibit 10 from this deal. And then uh, I, what was his name? Uh, Braxton Key. He got a two way contract from Denver uh, shortly thereafter his sort of buzzer beating uh, or sudden death, I guess, dunk or yeah, put back put dunk. sudden death. Yeah. Put back dunk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, the, you know, there were some cool moments that came out of this summer league. Uh, that definitely, you know, were better than last year's outside of Jane Hardy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, that's probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me. And, you know, I, to, I guess, touch back on, you know, to that Atlanta game, that's sort of where it all sort of accumulated. You know, I think uh, Mavericks Twitter was probably the most live. It had been in a very long time, uh, probably since draft night, uh, since getting uh, or not since getting, but, you know, going on that sort of huge run that they did, they went on like a 20, nothing run and, you know, Twitter was going crazy. I don't know if you had a chance yeah. to look at your phone cause you were in attendance, uh, but it was absolutely bonkers. It was fun to watch. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, it, it was, it was a fun game to watch, you know, nothing too holistically to take out, especially because I believe the game was nine days ago. Uh, so, you know, we can't really go back too much into depth and, you know, you know, analyze everything that yeah. happened and everything like that. But yeah, it was definitely a fun game to watch. And, you know, especially for Jelly Walker, cause he was the leading scorer, I believe. Um, and I forget who else there was. Uh, Brandon Randolph. Yeah. Brandon Randolph. Yeah. That's who it was. Uh, them two were honestly going off for an amazing game. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it was just fun to watch and it was fun to see everyone connect and become a good team uh, in the summer league. No, definitely. And it's funny because, I was more on Twitter during the first half trying to, you know, see how how much I could actually like live in person tweet. Uh, definitely a skill that I would have to uh, give a lot of reporters and stuff like that credit for because my first inclination is to like not miss any, you know, of the actual basketball that's happening. Like you really got to pick and choose your moments to tweet when you're actually there on TV. It's a lot easier because you can like pause or whatever if you really need to. Um, but it from the from the jump there like it it didn't actually seem like there was like anybody watching the game like I looked on Twitter at the start and everybody was like oh we play a summer league game today like a lot of people were like unbeknownst that we even had a fifth summer league game to play um, but as the Mavericks you know started you know doing well and highlights started kind of you know coming out of Twitter from the Mavs social feed and everything it's like it was cool to kind of see everybody get up for that one last time like you said um, but yeah, I mean, admittedly in the second half, I wasn't really on it as much because there were a lot of highlight reel, you know, sort of esque plays. Um, it, it was an exciting game. It, it was sort of tit for tat, um, in that first half. I don't think the, Ma the, the summer league team was, um, necessarily 
playing their best brand of basketball. Um, they, you know, kind of early on, there were just a few like defensive and rebounding lapses that were easily preventable. A few like miscommunications on switches. Uh, you know, obviously it's nine days out, but you know, one play I remember specifically, uh, they, the Hawks ran a DHO at the top of the screen or not, not top of the screen, the top of the <laughs> top of the arc. And uh, Kobe Bufkin like just blew past AJ Lawson. There was just like no contest. And then Mifiondu Cabangeli, uh, he looks like he's about forty, but surprisingly, after you know shaving his hair and everything, or um, he actually is only twenty five, but he, you know he's a big ass dude in person. I'll say that much. Um, but uh, he he was giving Derek Derek Lively the work early on on the offensive glass, and it kind of seemed like he you know may be in for a long night, you know, with the you know, fringe NBA, you know, sort of veteranish center um, on the other side of the ball, uh, just kind of being able to give him the work. But the Hawks uh, really didn't play him the whole time. They, you know, barring, you know, Kobe Bufkin, they they weren't really, I, I think, expelling all their energy uh, to win that game either. So, you know, it wasn't like the most spirited contest on, you know, either side of things given the the setting and everything. But you know, particularly uh, something that I think was great was a lot of, you know, the positives that um, we we start to, you know, we start to really see with the summer league team in, in that third and then, you know, fourth game with the, the Warriors and the Pacers. Um, you start to see those things translate um, ad nauseum throughout the game. Uh, Derek Lively throughout the game just got more and more comfortable as the role man. Um, he, he just was a little bit more savvy, actually set a few solid screens to close out summer league, which was definitely nice to see, um, which is kind of picking his angles in terms of rolling a little bit better. And it led to some easy ones, something that, you know, he, he honestly could have probably done a better job of those first few games. And um, it, it was really cool to see the bench get excited. Like everybody, you know, even Chandler Vaudrin was sneaking in some layups off some, a few, uh, uh, attacks off closeouts where he got to the rim and finished and after getting Jarris Walker up in the air and then completely whiffing a, a layup in that Indiana game um, you know it, it was nice to see you know the one white hooper on the squad show out so there was a it, it was a fun time for that last game you know nothing substantial to take away like you said but you know seeing how, how Jelly Walker finished out summer league you know didn't even have a bad shooting game those last three games you know really showed out um, you know, was able to keep his training camp spot, you know, no, um, good work by the Mavs to find that dude. I, I don't know specifically if the Mavericks, you know, will end up having a role for him at the end of the day, but um, in a, in a league where guard play is very volatile and, you know, injuries are very prevalent, especially at the guard position, you know, for whatever reason, just because of how, I honestly think that like the, the least injured position in basketball, in my opinion, is probably like wings because they're, they, they kind of had the best of both worlds, but uh, I don't, that, that could just be you know complete bullshit. And I'm just saying on the spewing on the pod here, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, obviously centers get injured the most prominently in my opinion, but you know, I feel like guards are just a close second up, especially like the six foot three and under guards, just because they're going so damn fast sometimes against, you know, and they have to like overcompensate with their athleticism against, you know, all the length and size and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it, it was good seeing that, you know, ev- everything went smoothly and you never, and you know, my main point being out of that, you never know when an opportunity could be, you know, prevail. 
Uh, we've seen guys like Jonathan Gibson, Yogi Ferrell uh, actually end up playing roles with the Mavericks now. You know, that wasn't, you know, that was probably more indicative of the Mavericks roster situation at the time. There's obviously not as clear of a pathway given the absolute logjam of guards that the Mavericks have now. But I mean, when there's a guy like Jelly Walker with so much talent and, you know, such a multidimensional sort of scoring threat and a, and a guy who, you know, even though he can't make some crazy passes just due to not really being able to see over the defense, he sets guys up really well in spot in their spots, you know, is always getting hockey assists like that. That's just a dude that, you know, could come off the point guard, you know, could come off the bench and uh, and run the team to an extent. And any any NBA team uh, could use that skill set if that translates to the NBA level. You know, we'll see if the athleticism and speed of the game at that level is just too much for a guy of his size. But, you know, his, his ability and how savvy he was, man, it really impressed me. And it wasn't like, you know, he was just only hitting these crate you know, crazy tough shots that, you know, almost seemed like was, you know, they were complete chance. Um, you know, he was doing a really good job creating him, you know, creating space for himself has a really good step back and, you know, can score at all three levels. And, you know, you have to have that in your bag is a guy that is, uh, you know, five foot 11. And, you know, as we were sort of theorizing, uh, I, I kind of predicted that the Mavericks would pick between one of him and McKinley Wright. And, you know, they did McKinley Wright ended up signing overseas the other day. Um, I think with like some European team. Do you remember who he yeah, signed? Yeah, uh, it was like Boyn Vitos or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better, props to you for even like remembering that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we weren't even planning on covering that in this podcast because we honestly forgot. But I mean, obviously, you know that you know the Jelly Walker sort of conversation segued us there, and uh, you know he he obviously kind of earned that uh, that small guard spot within the Mavericks you know rotation. I think it'll be a battle between him and Taze Moore. Um, to to get that last two way spot, and there there definitely could be other players come involved. You know, Mavericks could obviously sign another guy from overseas, or you know, an entirely different you know summer league team that they that impressed on a two way, or another guy from training camp. But the way that both of those guys ended up, you know, finishing out summer league was definitely something that impressed me, especially their their play in the latter half of the games there, um, in Vegas. You know, it, it they definitely you know from wa- having watched them in person, you know, up close, like they look like, you know, NBA level players. So uh, I hope the best for them. Uh, they definitely, you know, hold a little bit of sentiment uh, with me at least uh, going forward. Um, you know, even if they don't end up panning out in Dallas, you know, I, I would definitely will be inclined to see how their careers end up faring out uh, after having got to see them. So, you know, props to how both of those guys played uh, throughout summer league, you know, props to Brandon Randolph for that last game showing out. Um, you know, in the, in the same vein as Taze Moore, just a really energetic, lengthy, uh, you know, leaper, you know, he's a good cutter and, uh, you know, definitely, you know, his main thing in summer league in the, in the same vein as Taze Moore was, you know, can the three ball stick. Right. And, you know, Brandon Randolph struggled like every game except for the first and last game. So I was happy for him that he ended up having a good game there. Um, you know, if, if I had to, you know, pick and choose between Taze and Brandon, you know, maybe the one thing that kind of separates, Taze Moore and, you know, maybe the reason Brandon Randolph hasn't signed an Exhibit 10 with the Mavs or anything like that is probably just the extra layer of activity uh, that Taze Moore, you know, brought to that summer league team. I mean, you know, just such a, a ball of energy, you know, with the putbacks, the offensive rebounds, um, That that's, a, you know, another added layer um, that you're just not necessarily getting out of like every, you know, 6'5", you know, point of attack defending, um, you know, wing slash guard, you know, he he's a real leaper. Um, you know, it, it's not fake by any means. You know, he was only second to uh, 
you know, the, I, I'm going to have to go to the box score cause I have to say his name just to um, be proper here. But I, w- I would say he was only second to uh, it's not even showing me on e- ESPN, but Akabandu, uh, the guy from the NAI school who later transferred to Memphis, the guy with a really long name, of course, that is an insane leaper, but you know, definitely had trouble doing anything else on the court and, you know, in his uh, few other minutes that he got there at the tail end of Vegas. Um, but it, you guys know I'm talking about the Mavericks, you know, summer league guy um, who has like a 44 inch vertical, 48 inch vertical rather. Um, and is like 6'10", but it's just ext- extremely raw in every other aspect of basketball. Um, but it, I, I will tell you as much, Jaron, that Taze Moore, uh, you know, in the pregame warmups and everything, he he was definitely only second to him in leaping ability. I mean, his head was at the rim too, every possession. But, I mean, uh, I, I will say that Akabundu, or, and this is not me trying to be, uh, you know, like blatantly trying to uh, mispronounce his name. Like, I, I would – genuinely genuinely like make a concerted effort to do it but espn is just not coming through in a timely manner on <laughs> displaying his full name to me so you know I'm, I'm not trying to be the the cliche white guy that just can't pronounce anything here i, I genuinely like d- just don't have the time in this podcast to, to look it up and everything but i mean man he uh definitely the the highest jumping individual i've ever seen in person for sure uh without a doubt i mean head was like above the rim in like pre-game dunks i mean it was it was crazy. Uh, I definitely, I mean, Ethan agreed with me when we were there. Uh, so that was, that was crazy to watch, but you know, hopefully one day I get the Mavericks actually have a player of, you know, that athletic caliber that can contribute to basketball. So, um, but you know, between those two, it was definitely fun. The Mavericks summer league team as a whole was fun. There's not a ton to dissect further in that, um, you know, last game, but I mean, man, I, I just really liked seeing the evolution of Omax and Derek Lively. And, you know, obviously, Jaden Hardy, you know, he had a sort of rough shooting performance and, you know, the wrist and everything. We won't get into that too much because, you know, we ca- kind of talked about his summer league games, um, you know, and wrap that up, you know, to an, as much to an extent as we could have after, you know, I, I believe he was discontinued in terms of playing after that Warriors game. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of those last like two games, man, uh, just the energy across the squad, um, you know, was really contagious. Um, you could see the joy that was there. Um, Jared Dudley um, just did a great job um, being, you know, extremely attentive to all the players. Um, you know, he's a, he's a player's coach for sure, but also a guy that, you know, will will definitely tell the guys, um, you know, what their growing pains are and what they need to improve on. You know, if you look at any of the interviews from Summer League, um, he was definitely, he was a great at, um, you know, prognosing, you know, like what certain guys needed to work on and get better at. He was not, you know, just trying to gas up his players completely. And that was appreciated, uh, especially from a, you know, fan perspective. Um, and I mean, he did a really good job, you know, having been at summer league, he definitely was, uh, the most active coach on the sideline out of any, you know, team that I'd been, you know, watched or anything like that. It's a little harder at the Thomas and Mack center based on where, you know, Ethan and I were sitting uh, to see the coach's activity, um, you know, from the sideline, just given it's a you know bigger arena, it, it, you're not as close to them. But even then, you could hear him shouting out calls, uh, shouting out the, the drop coverage call for Derek Lively every single time, which was ice. Um, and, you know, to see how Derek Lively was able to probe uh, in between, you know, the, the pick and roll game and, you know, 
be able to sort of kind of pseudo tag the role man, but also play the ball handler at the same time, seeing how that just that aspect of his pick and roll defense evolved throughout summer league was, was special to watch. Cause you know, there were times early on uh, where he was kind of getting cooked at certain times and, and, you know, he, you know, just wasn't, you know, dropping and holding his ground and, you know, in, in the dominant sort of fashion that you would have hoped. And, you know, throughout those last two games, you know, obviously not NBA talent, but he finished with some very strong performances, definitely still a lot to work on, you know, with the screening um, consistently and, you know, obviously, you know, getting a better base, being able to block out, you know, not being late to rotate sometimes on defense to where he gets caught a precarious position and, you know, is not able to get vertical um, in terms of being a rim protector. But, you know, the growth that he saw just at summer league, especially with Omax too, and his ability to pick and choose his driving lanes, you know, he, he's not as flashy um, as a lot of the, you know, more dynamic wings in the NBA. But I think that that's definitely something you know, working with God, Sham God and, you know, other staff in Dallas, he can evolve into um, because, you know, the athletic burst that that guy has and his ability to diagnose a closeout opportunity um, is definitely, you know, second to none um, as far as, you know, guys that, you know, see a driving lane and take it um, from all the guys I saw in Vegas. So, um, I mean, they, they both just had great, um, summer league performances, you know, Omax, you know, definitely probably a more of a holistic, um, you know, just better summer league performance. But I, I was just really encouraged having came out of that experience, seeing how both of those guys specifically uh, improved drastically. And, you know, another guy that we really didn't even talk about was AJ Lawson. I mean, he he really showed in, uh, showed out rather on the defensive end those last couple of games, even if the scoring, you know, kind of came and go at certain points. You know, he he really displayed what he could add, you know, offensively as a cutter and, uh, you know, specifically on defense. You know, yes, there were times where he maybe got pushed around a little bit. Yes, there there were times where, um, you know, he, he could have been a little bit more laterally quick in terms of staying in front of, a you know, a dynamic guard like Kobe Bufkin. But, I mean, for the most part, man, you know, his off-ball defense ability to jump the passing lanes, um, you know, cause havoc at the point of attack. Uh, you know, r- really be a menace when he has to trap a guy. He doesn't leave, you know, really any room to breathe uh, for an opposing ball handler, especially if, it's, you know, if he has a size advantage on them, you know, and it's noticeable that, you know, he's put on some size and athleticism. Like it, if you look at some pictures of him when he first came in with the college park Skyhawks or whatever the, you know, whatever their name is. Um, I mean, you know, he's, he's put on some definite size since he's came into the league and it's very encouraging to see how he's developed in a player and his mentality you know, he's a guy that we've really coveted over here at the Mainstream Mass podcast. And, um, you know, he's obviously his his two-way deal extends in the next season because he um, was signed midseason last year. something that me and Jaron did not know. But, I mean, definitely coming out of that summer league experience, um, if he can just add a little bit more size and the three-point shooting starts to come along, you know, I believe he's only 23, just turned 23 in Vegas. Um, that That's a guy that could, you know, crack the Mavs rotation for sure. Um, you know, Taze Moore and Jelly Walker, definitely more guys to to monitor uh, in terms of if they get that opportunity, you know, that there are definite, you know, definite more holes in their games, though, that kind of prevent them from being consistent NBA players. And it's noticeable by, you know, just, you know, watching them, you know, in, in Taze Moore's case, the shot, you know, in Jelly's case, just purely the size, but, you know, and how that could have ripple effects on his defense. Um, but, you know, to to come out of that experience, seeing that, you know, 
Omax is, you know, going to be, you know, if not a, a starter for the Mavericks, a definite cog in their rotation, um, you know, coming out with that, you know, a growing um, sort of, you know, uh, emphasis on that. Um, and, and, you know, as well as, you know, if even if Derek Lively does take a little time, you know, the, the mold is there and, you know, you could see Tyson getting excited when he was making good plays. That was really hyped to watch from the crowd. You know, that like the Mavericks got two young guys here. You come out of summer league with a really positive experience. And then another guy in AJ Lawson, who, you know, definitely is not as surefire as the two rookies. Um, but, you know, based on how he finished summer league there, uh, as savvy as he was as a cutter, as, as, as disruptive as he was as an off ball defender, um, you know, like you got another guy, even, you know, you come out of summer league essentially with three guys that could be on your main roster next year. And I think that that encapsulates summer league as a whole. And, you know, you get even two fringe guys that, that might stick around, you know, maybe some guys that stick around with the legends that I didn't even mention. And that that was the hugest win for me in summer league, man, was seeing how this team, uh, you know, evolved and grew around each other, not just as individuals, but, you know, as a team too. the Mavericks obviously end up finishing four and one in summer league, you know, their first like dominant summer league performance in a few years since, you know, we actually had a reason to be good in summer league. So that, that aspect of everything was, I think that definitely, you know, the, the coolest thing for me coming out of it, it was a great summer league for the Mavericks really excited to attend. I would, you know, love to go back with Jaron, hopefully next year. Um, if we can facilitate that, you know, hopefully like Omax and Derek Lively don't transcend um, their, their status as rookies so much that they end up not playing next year. Cause I, I think year two versions of them would, you know, definitely be benched after a couple games. So we definitely would have to get there early. One thing I will say is, you know, I'll definitely need to get there earlier next year, uh, you know, to see the talent actually uh, be on display before the number one picks and, you know, all that or or all the first round picks are are shut down. All the sophomores are shut down, you know, Um, but there, there still was a a decent amount of talent that I got to see those last few days. And it was a fun experience. I I don't want to ramble on too much, but, you know, I I just really was, was pleased with how the whole thing went, you know, um, you know, from my end, you know, traveling there, but specifically with the Mavericks and uh, how they fared and, you know, like I alluded to, not just the, you know, continued development of these young guys and, you know, focusing on trying to get a contract, um, but, you know, just how everybody played and welcomed each other. These guys had a growing interest in winning those actual games, and that contributed to their individual performance being better. And they really bought into what Coach Dudley um, instilled, the principles and, you know, the, the, you know, the Zoom offense he was running as well as, you know, that just very active defense that that he was trying to get them to to run. And I mean, you see it in that last game, the Hawks were held to only 80 points. I mean, it, it was fun, man. Like, you know, that, that Mavs summer league team played some of the best defense from a summer league team. I think I've seen in a hot ass minute. So, uh, you know, that, that I can't give enough props to everybody who was involved and, you know, with summer league and everything, I, I don't have too much more to say, but it was a great experience, man. And, uh, you know, I I really don't think you know outside of like winning the summer league championship and you know having a guy like Isaiah Mobley who was you know considered like a G League player just all of a sudden blossom into a potential rotation player for the Cavs. You know, outside of like something like that happening, it really couldn't have been a, a better experience. Uh, obviously, Jaron, you know the the floor is yours if you want to 
leave off with anything on summer league. Obviously I went on a huge tangent there. Um, but you know, I just felt like it was, I had to do my due diligence having attended and everything, um, you know, to, to really close out our, our thoughts on summer league, but definitely, you know, if you got anything else, feel free. Yeah, obviously, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that you shared that because I definitely could not have gone that much in depth because, yeah. I know, you know, of course you were there. But one thing that I definitely figured out, uh, I guess, in my absence was um, definitely in those 10 days that Summer League does occur in Las Vegas. Those are the 10 days to be uh, in Las Vegas if you are an NBA fan. And look, I mean, uh, we've seen Summer League kind of build upon itself year after year. But this was the year I think that, you know, truly fans media players everyone showed up everyone was a whole and it's almost kind of like you know comic con you know all those sort of yeah. know, events that happen with these you know communities yeah that's sort of what it's like with basketball um i'm definitely you know i'm 1000 percent locking my books in for next year uh not just because you know i missed out on an awesome opportunity but just because look i mean we'll be 21 get a little vegas experience of course but yeah. also uh, you know, I, I think next year will be absolutely insane with the potential draft class that's coming up. And also, just, yeah, and I mean, just what um, the Mavericks summer league exactly. could still look like, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, that's, you know, my thoughts on pretty much summer league. But to touch up on the sort of narrative base uh, that the Mavericks have created for themselves after that summer league performance, uh, you know, we're sort of in a similar situation as we were last year is, you know, what is going to happen with that second uh, sort of two-way spot and you know third now. Walker, third now third now yeah I guess third yeah. now yeah yeah I, yeah I forget I failed to mention that but uh no, yeah, I, I, mean, I, we didn't, I didn't even like mention Mike Miles throughout that whole segment yeah Mike I mean, Miles he, yeah he, I mean, like he he's a guy that like I was like oh uh, I was very unsure about you know coming into those first two games is this going to be the guy that we you know really rock with as a two-way after that Indiana game I I I talked with Ethan about it on the podcast I was like look I mean like you know he he played very well in this game you know, as a finisher, but, you know, if I'm having to pick between two guys, I may have to roll with Jelly Walker. But, um, I mean, after like that, that last game, like you, you, I was able to see why Mike Miles was signed on a two-way contract to the Mavericks. And I can't say, um, that I wasn't surrounded with skepticism, you know, um, in regards to that, uh, after the first couple summer league games, you know, I think that just adjusting to the NBA, the NBA speed, especially as like a lead guard off the bench, you know, backing up Jaden Hardy in those games. I think that it was, was just a tough transition for him for a little bit there. But I mean, he he really ended up showing out that there are definitely I definitely have a lot better grasp of his game now. You know, he, he needs to evolve as a passer for sure. He, he definitely tends to get tunnel vision sometimes on some of his drives to the rim. You know, there, there were a lot of instances of both him and Jelly Walker you know, and, and Jelly Walker's instance, because really because he can't see over the defense, you know, not being able to make, you know, some of those passes that Luca and Kyrie will to the Mavericks bigs um, on that summer league team. But I mean, you know, a, a, in terms of a scoring threat, man, he he was uber efficient and he he definitely added something from a defensive perspective that, um, you know, was, was definitely really evident and tangible. He, you know, while yes, there are bigger guys that can, you know, use their link to get around him and, and speed can come back to haunt him. You know, you saw, you know, that that added strength and, and bulk, uh, you know, from a from a six two guard really helping him in a lot of a lot of possessions. And I mean, he he became, you know, increasingly more disruptive defensively um, as summer league went on. You know, I definitely don't know if I'm ready to label him like a, you know, like a really good defender like I would with like Omax or, you know, AJ Lawson or anything like that. But, you know, he, he proved himself to be competent and, the you know, his finishing and. Um, you know, just sort of, you know, the vast array of moves that 
he he's able to pull off to, you know, create just an ounce of space for himself and the way he's able to contort his body, you know, midair, um, you know, is, you know, not really something that I, I can say even um, really any of the other Mavericks summer league guards had, you know, Jaden Hardy's a, a, you know, good finisher, of course, but, you know, he kind of needs space to finish. He's he, a lot of his game is, you know, predicated on, you know, can I get this angle, you know, and this, if, if I can, I'll be able to get the shot up. I mean, Mike Miles, man, like he, he can absorb contact, you know, contort his body, make some really tough finishes. And like, you know, it just goes to show, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go on a tangent on here with him, but you know, that the Mavericks are building a culture of development and youth within their organization. And I think that we can sort of separate that from the roster construction woes. And, you know, if, if you're looking at the Mavericks offseason under a microscope, right? Yes, there are definitely areas of improvement that they have not, you know, hit the nail on the head on. You know, they, I would say that they've probably had a very, you know, I'd say that the Mavericks have had a good offseason for sure, you know, given the yeah. draft and free agency, getting Grant Williams and everything like that. You know, I, I don't think unless they cap it off with, you know, the allotted moves that Jaron and I have talked ad nauseum and Mavs Twitter has talked ad, talked ad nauseum about in regards to getting, you know, another rim protector, uh, you know, given, you know, Derek Lively, you know, not being maybe quite ready yet and, and maybe getting another either, you know, fringe starter or or starting level wing, you know, and, until the Mavericks do that. Yes, like they'll they'll have to prove it to us that they they can be contenders because on paper, obviously, there are still holes on this roster, but um, the one thing that I can come come away with um, in, in terms of, you know, analyzing the Mavericks youth department and the culture that they're building for, you know, when when Luca starts to, you know, enter his prime, maybe when Kyrie leaves um, that that foundation that they're laying right now in their focus and, you know, increased attentiveness uh, to development ever since the Nico Harrison era has uh you know catalyzed here um is definitely something i've been really impressed with and this last summer has you know been clearly very evident about that and you know the way that coach dudley was able to invigorate spirit within those guys and um you know that's that's honestly you know what i'm most excited about um but yeah i mean great time at summer league man but there's not too much more to get into um you know barring you know a, a couple rumors a couple tidbits of news here um, that have came out really over the last week or so. There's, you know, been a lot more NBA stuff to kind of surface, but um, all of it has been like small stuff, like Dylan Windler, for instance, getting a two-way contract today with the Knicks, like stuff like yeah. that, you know. There, there just hasn't been a lot of news. Really, nobody's dropped off the board in terms of coveted free agents that the Mavericks have that, you know, they could potentially go after, I think since we've talked, maybe besides like Paul Reed, you know, re-signing in Philadelphia. That's and probably the only, yeah. And he wasn't even really, guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't even necessarily a guy that we were rumored to get, you know, more than he was looked at as a decent fit by mass fans and, and in their fake sign and trades on fanspo. So, I mean, like, you know, like obviously the, we'll cover, you know, the, the few tidbits of rumors that have came out, but you know, it has been pretty dry on that front. So it's fun to enjoy summer league and everything, but you know, without, without further ado, let's, let's analyze some of the stuff that's come over, come out over the last few weeks without going too in depth um, because all of it at the end of the day could be just smoke from agents and all that sort of stuff. And um, none of it really seemed like it had a lot of smoke to it, especially, you know, on a national level, but you know, as far back as I can remember, 
um, you know, since we last did a podcast um, in terms of things that are Mavericks related, obviously, you know, I, I don't even know if there was anything tangible, um, but yes, I, I know Jake Fisher kind of reported on the, you know, Siakam Atlanta scene um, and how they, you know, the Mavericks could, I, I don't even know if it was him specifically. that said that, but they're, you know, they're obviously, you know, they, somebody, you know, in the national media essentially said, yes, like, Clint Capella may need to be rerouted to a third team, you know, willing to, you know, take on his contract if a Siakam trade is to come out, uh, come into fruition just based on the money aspect of that. And that's obviously been an ongoing rumor since like literally like um, free agency started in, you know, the draft with the Clint Capella thing and the Mavericks not accepting that trade uh, to move um, back in the draft a few slots, um, you know, um, because of the, the, the package and everything like that. They just didn't deem it worth it or whatever. Um, because I if I can't remember, like, you know, weren't wasn't Atlanta asking for Josh Green or like, you know, a first round pick. Yeah. I can't even remember what the deal was, but you know, it, it was a pretty like blatant, you know, overpay. Contrary to, you know, that DeAndre Ayton situation where we don't really exactly know what happened. And, you know, I, I think that that situation is a little bit more contentious between fans in terms of what the Mavericks, you know, should have done there in retrospect, but you know, nobody really, you know, blames them for not taking that Capella deal. You know, I'm going to be honest. I, I literally can't remember off the top of my head right now exactly um, what the package was going to Atlanta, uh, the proposed on draft night that was reported by Mark Stein or whatever like that, and uh, what the receiving package would be for Dallas. But I definitely come out of draft night, you know, I at least in contacts knowing that, you know, was much more happier with the moves that were made. So I'm not really tripping over that or anything um, but you know, that there's obviously been a little bit more smoke down that Siakam's name is on the radar, but you know, that you're, you're dealing with an interesting figure in Masai Ujiri and who's, you know, very negligent, you know, he, he upholds his, uh, reputation as a tough bargainer. Um, definitely probably, you know, rides that wave a little too hard given his success as a GM. So, you know, if, if it, Siakam does get moved and, you know, that, that ends up getting catalyzed by this Damian Lillard trade stuff. I mean, who knows what's going to happen when all that goes under, under, uh, under the shelf. But I mean, as of right now, you know, it doesn't really seem like there's too much smoke on that. Mark Stein reported today that, you know, Dallas or rather Detroit had reached out to Dallas was the wording that he used regarding Killian Hayes. And there had been some rumors about Bojan Bogdanovic being tossed around as a trade target by, uh, you know, for the Mavs by Mark Stein, his stub stack like a week ago, but you know, he he didn't say that anything was in advanced discussions or that there was anything too tangible there, you know, um, I, and until there is something, you know, tangible, it, it's just hard for Jaron and I to, you know, go too in depth and to fit, um, you know, when there's, you know, if it's not, you know, the beginning of free agency, you know, cause you know, it kind of would just be doing ourselves a disservice, but there are still a lot of intriguing guys on the market that we'll get into over the next few days. We, you know, obviously we'll have, you know, this, you know, definitely an interesting dichotomy of, you know, content coming out with some of it being, um, you know, based, you know, strictly, you know, around like games and like fun things that we'll do. And, and looking back at different things that, you know, it, it, throughout the Mavericks history, you know, we'll really have to dig out of our asses for content, but it'll be, it'll be fun at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that we're just going to completely, you know, neglect all the tidbits and news and rumors that are coming out, we'll still address them. They just may not be as elongated as a, you know, segments as they are, unless, you know, something is really heating up. 
Um, but you know, also I, I think there was like one other rumor the the other day that came out. You remember what uh, the biggest one that I can think of that we really haven't touched up on is Derek Jones Jr. Um, oh yeah, one, there's that. There's um, you know, and uh, but even then, it it you know, just I, I think the growing sort of um, you know, sense that I'm getting is that like you know, all these rumors are essentially, you know, Mark Stein is subsect saying, yes, like the Mavericks could still use a center. Yeah. They may still use their MLE, but you know, they're not, you know, barring, you know, some of these like, you know, national guys or team specific guys for other teams, like, you know, the Jalen Noel thing that came out today or like the Charlotte guy a couple weeks ago that, you know, talked about the PJ Washington and Kelly Oubre thing. There just hasn't been anything that, you know, is really tangible that I, you know, we can look at and, you know, properly be like, okay, like this is for sure going to happen. So, no, that that's the only reason that I we I kind of draw back on that stuff a little bit, but you know the Jalen Noel thing was interesting. It came out today by that Minnesota-based reporter, uh, as well as the uh, Kelly Oubre news. But you know the Mavericks obviously have you know a remaining portion of their MLE as well as you know the ability to use Tim Hardaway Jr. Javale McGee in a trade. You know along with you know a, two seconds and potentially a first. So there definitely could still be moves to be made for a center or a wing. You know with the remaining assets that they have, but you know, those, those pathways have not necessarily been outlined by any national media in a way that is clear, but, you know, just kind of given that, that they don't necessarily have, um, you know, a, a direction in that sense, uh, in, in terms of, you know, tangible reported evidence of like what the Mavericks, you know, specific targets that they are going to go after, you know, more than we just have, you know, Mark Stein's Substack or or his tweets telling us that they still need a center or, or they still need a rotational wing or like that's the main priority right now. And like, yes, they are still, you know, poised to stretch wave JaVale McGee or wave him or whatever, or, or, you know, potentially trade Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, we, we don't just have, you know, anything tangible kind of like what we did with those like Grant Williams rumors when, you know, free agency was, you know, the, the ebb and flow of news was more concurrent and, you know, we could actually like point to something and talk about it versus it, you know, being like, Oh, you know, Talks between Dallas and Detroit regarding Killian Hayes have gained little traction, you know, stuff like that. So just kind of given, um, you know, that uh, the ebb and flow of news um, and, and have the how the rumors have sort of been structured over the, um, you know, last couple weeks, ever since things really started to dry up. Who are you monitoring personally? You know, we, we kind of did this at the last podcast that we had together as well. But who are, who are you monitoring monitoring as well? Um, for the Mavericks to to go after, you know, with the remaining portion of their MLE um, or, or you know, via trade, you know, in, in terms of centers uh, that, that you think could fit, you know, throw in some guys that, yes, we've already mentioned. Um, but, you know, also if, if there's any sort of outside the box guys that, you know, we haven't really talked about some lower end, maybe veteran sort of dudes, you know, feel free to mention those names as well. But, um, you know, and you, you definitely, you know, just because things have been rumored also, that doesn't, you know, for this, you don't necessarily need to, you know, include Jalen Noel if you don't think he's a good fit. You know, like who who are you, in, in your opinion, Jaron, um, you know, kind of poised in terms of who you're looking at in terms of, you know, who who may be able uh, to join the Mavericks uh, by the end of the summer if they uh, if things end up working out. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, the Mavericks could go the trade route uh, as, you know, I guess what has heavily been kind of reported is what they will likely be doing if they're going out. They, they could use the rest of their MLE too. I believe they could. Like they could six million or so left after you know putting Seth Curry yeah. and uh, into um, some of that. So 
Yeah. So, and you know, that's something that I've grown more keen on is using the the remaining, you know, 6 million or however left will be after that Seth Curry deal, you know, however much they will have left. Uh, I've grown more keen on using that for a potential veteran player. You know, I, you know, I know that you're a little bit more high on Kelly Oubre rather than me, but one guy that kind of sticks out to me, which we've honestly failed to mention who was in rumors. I don't necessarily know if it was, you know, fan rumors or if, you know, someone in Utah or I guess Atlanta rather uh, sort of reported this, but Rudy Gay, um, you know, a guy who could come to the locker room and I think make a day one change. You know, he's obviously had his ups and downs throughout his career. Um, and, you know, being on the tail end of his career, you know, you don't really expect much, but um, he's a guy I think that could mentor some of the younger guys, of course, that being Omax. So I, I would love to see him. Um, you know, I've gone through, uh, you know, I drive about an hour a day, so I get a lot of time to think to myself. And that's something that I've thought about quite a bit is, you know, what would Rudy Gary look like? on the Mavericks and I'm not opposed to it. Uh, you know, again, no. for all the reasons that I mentioned before, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, you know, the fit itself, uh, could be a little questionable, but you know, for everything that we likely, you know, will get out of him, I'm not opposed to that move at all. So, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I've or a guy rather that, you know, I've got kind of thought about the most of, um, but look, you know, someone who of course came out of the rumor mill today, Jalen Noel, um, you know, I, I think is probably the most eye-popping guy that, you know, the Mavericks could could potentially sign with that, you know, under M- or, yeah under MLE signing, um, you know, being that he averaged, I believe it was 10.8 points per game. Uh, if you're looking for a stat impact like that, like, you know, that's definitely a guy that you have to look at, you know, fit aside, uh, you, you know, there's definitely question marks there, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's some of these younger, not younger, there's some of these sort of veteran guys that are kind of on the chopping blocks of their careers, that being Derek Jones Jr., um, you know, Rudy Gay is, of course. I'd say Rudy Gay is, like, much much more on that sort of aspect than yeah, Derek ab- Jones absolutely. Jr., but Derek Jones Jr. is definitely a guy that, like, you know, you know, maybe not at this stage in his career, given I think he's, like, 26, 27, something in that range, but, you know, you, you definitely want to monitor how the athleticism you know, stays, you know, pat throughout his career if he can't develop a jump shot. Cause you know, that absolutely, but, yeah. but, you know, he, he still is like decently young. He still could, you know, shooting is not something that, you know, requires athleticism. It still is something that he could get better at as career goes on. You know, those are all interesting names. And I, I really do like the, uh, the, you know, Rudy Gay shout out um, because yeah, like, you know, he is a lot more slow footed than he was at this, you know, and had a previous stage in his career when, you know, he's one of the better wings in the league, um, but I mean, he's still got really good length. He's like a legit six, nine, you know, damn near six ten, Um, and you know, he, he's very stout, you know, he's filled out a lot since he's came into the league. Um, you know, he's definitely been the benefactor of, you know, a lot of different teams, NBA strength programs. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, can be a, you know, good hard nosed veteran, you know, and like you said, you know, really mentor the young guys. Um, and, and I think what I'd be most intrigued at, you know, from that perspective is like, you know, Rudy Gay is a guy in his career who carved carved out a role for himself, you know, fulfilling the aspects of, you know, non-one dimensionality as a as a yeah. wing, right? You know, maybe not to the degree that, you know, some guys in his era like Paul George did, obviously, but he's a guy that could go get a bucket, you know, at six nine, six ten, you know, have has a handle. Um, you know, didn't really ever have the the playmaking aspect of everything. But I mean, yeah, like from an offensive perspective, yeah, he could definitely uh, mentor an Omax. Uh, you know, or or any other wings on the Mavericks roster, and that that would be encouraging from that perspective. Um, if he could maybe potentially play like a Jeff Green esque type of role on the Mavericks, and you know, I I think that the growing sense, uh, from what we're kind of getting at here, especially with the remaining players on the market, 
is that if the Mavericks wish to, you know, fill out their roster to the best of their abilities this offseason, and, you know, they they trade for the center, uh, they get the wing. Uh, you know, we had obviously talked about, you know, earlier that, you know, the the order of operations there uh, may be, you know, a, a little different, you know, if somehow, like, you know, they, they were able to get, like, P.J. Washington or something, but – you know, as the the time clock ticks more and more down on free agency, it is becoming more and more readily apparent to me that like, you know, the Mavericks' best route at this point, given who is off the board, and you know, the the PJ Washington situation just being so kind of, it, it just seems like a very hard thing for the Mavericks to finagle themselves in. I obviously I'd love for them to do that. That's like the most idealistic scenario, but it, it does just kind of seem like a hard way in terms of the construct of how that deal would work. It, it's just more apparent to me that you know the best route to contention is probably, you know, getting that, you know, not starting level wing, but guy who potentially can start if need be when called upon like a Kelly Oubre or a Rudy Gay, you know, with the remaining MLE money. And then, you know, using that, using Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract and, you know, whatever sort of assets in terms of uh, picks and, you know, uh, potentially even young players, if it's for the guy, the right caliber to trade for that starting center, because, you know, and just to be quite honest with you, you know, after Paul Reed going off the board, they're just like, isn't really a lot of guys um, in terms of if the Mavericks wanted to go the, you know, trade for a wing and then try to sign a center with the remaining MLE route uh, that are applicable at this point. There just aren't really a guy, a lot of guys that at big that are worth it uh, with like $6 million or however much the Mavericks, you know, could offer per year. Um, I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, in terms of the, um, you know, the, the contrasting ways in which the Mavericks could fill out their roster if they if they so please, because in, in my opinion, I think I, I don't know if this is just me, uh, you know, but I, I think it would be, you know, it, it would be kind of counterintuitive for the Mavericks to only do one or the other. I think if they do make more moves this offseason, they make two moves. They make a move, you know, for another wing with the MLE and. And for the center and try to, to fill everything out, you know, I don't know if that necessarily even means giving up the 2027 first, if they, if they can retain that, I'm sure they'd love to, um, you know, especially given how many little assets, you know, you know, as well as Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, but um, it, it just seems that, you know, if they are to make more moves and the, they don't round out the, you know, if they, you know, to decide to go with this roster into training camp and, you know, try to solve these issues at the trade deadline you know, unless they go that route, it, it just would make sense to, you know, at least try to sign a wing with the MLE as well as, you know, trade for the big man. So you give your best shot at contention. If you are, because if you make that trade for the big man, like you're, you're going all in at that point, you know, regardless if you, if you give up the pick or not, like, you know, that you, you've made enough moves at that point in the off season to, you know, even if you don't necessarily have the players for it, when you start, you know, playing pen and paper with other teams and stuff, like, you know, the, the moves you made positionally would would definitely insinuate that that you're trying to contend for a title next year. Uh, so for me personally, it just wouldn't make sense for them to, you know, only do one or the other uh, unless they just don't do anything at all and they want to hold out. So I, I was curious to kind of get your thoughts on that before we end the podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, you know, kind of on the line of I, I'm more content with the Mavericks making one more move rather than two. Uh, not saying that I'm not opposed to them making two, obviously. I think that that's, you know, that's sort of the cherry on top. That's how I'm looking at this scenario. Uh, you know, there's two moves to obviously be yeah. Well, that, I think that's how I'm looking at it from a fan perspective. 
Like that's what I would hope to happen. Like I'm not, I'm yeah. not saying like I'd be pissed. Like if they don't, and you know, make if they only make one move, like I'd still be like really happy and optimistic and all that sort of stuff from a basketball perspective. I'm more so talking about like in terms of what makes sense, you know, organizationally, you know, like what what direction I feel like they would go, and not necessarily like you know my level of contentment, you know, on on you know based upon what they would do. Yeah, you know, it, look, I and I agree with you. You know, obviously, yeah. I think that this team uh, needs to push their chips and needs to get whether it be a you know guy who you can plug in a, a wing type player who you can plug in and still sign with that MLE or the remaining MLE rather, uh, who could possibly plug in and become a, a potential starter, if, you know, given an injury, and then also you know trade for that starting caliber center. Um, and, and you know, I'm viewing it like I said a little bit more differently than you. I, I think you know from a you know. I guess making sense standpoint, as you're saying, uh, it does make sense for them to go all in on those two moves. Uh, but look, I, I just don't think the Mavericks are, you know, in the sort of area, not that they've waited too long to make those moves. Uh, I, I just think, you know, especially from what we've seen from this sort of organization in the yeah, past yeah. is that they're okay. They're content yeah. with going into the offs or going into the season yeah. rather, uh, with a move or two to possibly yeah. be made. I think there is going to be a given one move, whether it's signing, as we mentioned, you know, Kelly Oubre, Rudy Gay, whoever yeah. that is, there I, I think that's a given. Uh I, I just think that the center position, maybe not the center position. I, I just think oh, yeah. that you know potential trade that needs to be made mm. is going to be something that we're probably gonna yeah. be waiting on uh, no, as the yeah. season kind of clicks on. Mm-hmm. Um and, and like I said, you know, I, I'm not opposed to that because again, I, I just think uh, especially as you know, we're we're on July 25th as we're on this podcast, like they're just uh, and I hate being this way. I just don't think there's enough time for them to make those two yeah. big moves. But look, from a organizational standpoint, from what makes sense, uh, and as for every point that you listed, I, I think that the Mavericks have to push their chips and they have to go all in on those two moves. And, you know, if that does require them trading that 27 first uh, or Josh Green and Jane Hardy, or not maybe not and, um, but one of the two, you know, they might potentially have to do that uh, if they yeah. do want that sort of Clint Capella, Evita Zubats, whoever it is, that type starting uh, center. They might have to bite the bullet and give up one of those uh, or one of those three assets rather. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think that's my standpoint. Is I, I think one of the two is guaranteed. I think eventually two um, two of the two will be guaranteed. But as we go on, uh, as the season you know or off season kind of you know ends not ends but sort of winds down and becomes stagnant I, I just think i see you know one of the two for sure happening yeah no i i uh honestly definitely uh did not phrase that the way in which i was <laughs> intending to after listening to you know what, what you said i i guess what more what i was trying to insinuate um was that if they make the trade for the center at that point it makes no yes, sense to yes. go get a wing is kind of what i was trying I, 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 and it just didn't really click for me in the way in which i was saying it but like yes i could see them like you know only getting a, a wing to add and then you know not being able to find a trade for a center but you know obviously you know the, the wing thing isn't as make or break like if you do go get the you know, if you do trade for the center at that point, though, like there's no reason to, you know, not throw six million at X restricted free agent wing like Derek Jones Jr. or something like that. You know, it's kind of what I was getting at. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, they, they they could easily, you know, just given the trade market and how volatile it is, it's it's going to be interesting to see what exactly comes up after Damian Lillard. Like I, I you know, like you said, Jaron, I, I do think that they 
you know, at least do one more thing, even if the, from the trade perspective, it doesn't work out in which the way that they'd hope that they would at least, um, you know, be able to, you know, get a wing at the end of the day, just to sure up the end of the bench or see a guy that hits, you know, there's something like that. I, I definitely see them doing. And, um, you know, even if they just have to like stretch wave JaVale McGee, cause there are no other suitors for him, which would be very understandable. Um, you know, I, I could see that happening. I, yeah, but I, I think like what I was more trying to get at is, you know, if the trade market opens it w- opens itself up in a way that allows them to get the starting caliber center, you know, then at that point, there's no reason to hold back, you know, like, because you, you've expelled, you, you know, you know, one of your probably rotation players in Tim Hardaway at that point, potentially a pick, uh, hopefully not a first, but at least at least two seconds in a trade like that, um, you know, at, at that or one of the young assets. That was more kind of what I was insinuating when I, I feel like at that point they they would have to at least, you know, try to lock in another wing, especially if they lost more players than they were getting back in that deal. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, obviously we don't really have a clear g- grasp of what the Mavericks are going to do uh, for the rest of the offseason, nor does really anybody else, even the people who are reporting upon it, uh, because it's basically all dependent from what it seems on how the NBA trade market fares this coming July and August. So. You know, in the meantime, as all these rumors are circulating out, me and Jaron will have, you know, podcasts, you know, more what much more consistently from here on out after things kind of dried up there, um, you know, you know, going to Las Vegas and all that. And, and just how, you know, just no other word to put it than, you know, just dry and arid that NBA news has been the last couple of weeks. But, you know, it, it was a decent break after we were just churning out content after the draft and everything. But you know, now, now is the time to to get back at it, even if we do have to, you know, do a little more out of the box content than usual, but it'll be fun. And we hope you guys enjoy it. We'll still have all the coverage, of course, and anything happens with the Mavericks. So stay tuned with that. You know, that's a given, of course. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of other things coming up. We're really excited for this season. Um, you know, we we really hope to take the next step as a podcast this upcoming season. That That's our goal. Um, we don't necessarily have you know, uh, a, a clear definition of that, that maybe we can give to you guys, but internally, you know, there, there definitely is a, a sort of vision there. And, you know, we, we really appreciate you guys for helping us expand. So, you know, that's the goal. And we're really excited for this upcoming season. Thank you for listening to the mainstream mouse podcast. You guys can find us anywhere from, you know, Apple podcasts to Spotify, make sure to, you know, like us and give us a five-star rating and follow us and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, give us a review, turn on post notifications for our podcast. If you're on any of those listening platforms, we're on basically any listening platform. So we'd really appreciate the feedback and um, anything like that. Also, make sure to follow us on and subscribe, of course, rather, and uh, like and comment down below on YouTube. If you guys are listening on that, shout out to the YouTube gang. I just throw up the X every time because I know nothing else what to do. But yes, Des caught it. Um, Also, make sure to follow our new Twitter at Mainstream214. We just amassed. A grand total of 400 followers after getting some clout from Summer League. We're, we're getting back to where we were. We're excited to, to gain and meet new people. We've, we've got some new Twitter followers that we didn't have before. So shout out to you guys if you're first-time listeners. And we're just poised to keep expanding and growing with you guys. Uh, a bit of a you know more uh, less serious podcast, but um, that's kind of going to be the agenda from here on out. So we <laughs> appreciate much. you guys for uh, listening. Uh, it's been Will and Jaron on the Mainstream Mass Podcast signing out. Bye.